Hey everybody, this is Rob Liefeld. You are listening to another outstanding episode of Observations because uh, because I said so. I said it's it's outstanding because I said so. But I really believe today you will think this is outstanding. This is great when when someone brings up a treasure chest from the bottom of the ocean, or or in this case, the oceans of time, as I have imagined. Uh, I, I, not imagined. I have achieved this. I have, I, I have been able to bring up this treasure trove of data and info. And I love data and I love info and I'm not alone because we live in a world where, uh, all of the analytics have taken over analytics rule sports. It rules baseball, football, basketball, the purr, you know, his, his, his assists, rebounds, you know, scoring ratio uh, multiplied multiplied by how much player X is on the floor, and which lineups he works best in. Everything's become analytics. You know, uh, Moneyball was the explosion of of uh, of analytics, and also a, a just a, an absolutely terrific movie, terrific performance by Brad Pitt. I mean, that's that's where it kind of went mainstream, and where I remember talk radio used to start. Um, you know, drumming it up the, 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 the most is when in the early two thousands, when they talked about the success of, of, of Moneyball, of course, which is Billy Bean. Is there a better name than Billy Bean? Billy Bean's, uh, method that he approached, embraced to turn around the Oakland athletics. Now, again, after time, the the irony is, well, that that'll make you competitive, but won't won't get you to win at all until it does, you know. Um, so even the analytics, even the numbers, everybody you know carves them up. Uh, just this week, I read about analytics for some new streaming shows. Which ones are doing poorly? Which ones are doing better than um, than than they anticipated? And there was there was one where where is binging dead? Oh, you got me! I'll read that. And some Netflix show I don't watch, but is popular with everybody else, and I won't name. Uh, it's 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 binge worthiness is down. The episodes are being watched less frequently at a less frequent rate. They're being you know not digested completely. There's this data that I would only know um, because of the an- analytics shared that that once you watch two minutes of any Netflix show, they count you as a full viewer. You know, swallow that, digest that. That's pretty big. Uh, this is the world we live in now. Box office. You know, um, what movie makes what how. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it really is the analytics drive everything. And it's no different in the business we're in, the, the business of comic books. You know, uh, the thing that I joke about is that, uh, it, well, I didn't joke about it. I had a great time making Snake Eyes. Uh, dead game. It's uh, the fifth issue came out back in July. It, it, I produced it during the pandemic. When I took over uh, Snake Eyes, the GI Joe series was doing three thousand two hundred copies. You heard me correctly, three thousand two hundred copies at IDW. That's when I knew it was ripe, and I and it was personal to me because I, I felt like the, the the book should have a larger audience. So I did everything I could. We ended up going back to press on on. Snake Eyes, Dead Game Number One. We sold over seventy-five thousand of a book, which, given that all of the GI Joe issues 
for the years prior to that were in that 3000 range, that was a great kind of showing of what you can achieve with the characters if, if the uh, um, right amount of love and passion is applied. Reason I'm bringing this up is a Hasbro exec, and, and my Snake Eyes Dead game trade paperback comes out in a week. I want you to have it. It's coming out. I did not even believe I was going to be talking about this, but it is it has wedged in really quickly. I guess there was some, you know, electron in my brain that 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 told me I should share this with you. The reason I'm sharing it with you is that Hasbro exec, and Hasbro was great to me throughout. My editor, John Barber, was great to me throughout. He no longer works at IDW. Uh, nobody that I worked with at IDW while we made Dead Game is there any further. My 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 publisher, Chris Ryle, everybody's gone. Everybody has left the building. It's it's a bummer. And uh, but I had a really good time when we were doing it. And and again, my last issue I handed in in June, so we're almost six months when I say goodbye to this project. They just did a black and white reprint, uh, not a reprint, a special edition of the fifth issue where guys like Neil Adams and Kevin Eastman and, and, and Wills Portacio and Jerry Ordway and Carl Kiesel and Dan Frege and Marat, all these guys jumped in. Ed Piscor, Tom Scioli, Jim Rugg. I don't want to leave anybody out. I know I'll, and inevitably I'm going to. Um, uh, Chance Wolf, uh, 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 <laughs> shoot, I'm, I'm leaving people out. That sucks. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, all these great talents came together and they, uh, Worked with me and and uh, inked different pages to make the last issue special because I, I figured we should make the last issue special. Well, Dead Game Declassified shows you the actual line art, so you can see, uh, you can you can you can see beyond the color. The color is fantastic. Federico Blee, also known online as Toonfed, was the fantastic colorist that did every single page of Dead Game. I'm so proud that we did every single page together and that there were no reinforcements called in. And, uh, and, and, and so, uh, the declassified, you just get, for, for the most part, you may get a contrast with the color page, but you're getting the black and white line art. So again, on top of the original five issues, the declassified and now the trade, we did really good with Hasbro. Hasbro was totally cool. And I got an action figure out of it. I, there's a snake eyes dead game, uh, 12 inch doll like the kind of doll that I collected when I was a kid. And I had my G.I. Joe with the, you know, eagle eye and the Kung Fu grip and all this stuff. That's that's how it was labeled, Kung Fu grip. That's not me. You know, don't, that, that, that's, that's it. The box is right over here on my shelf. I'm looking at it. It says G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. That's how it came to you in 1975. What is the Snake Eyes point? The Snake Eyes point is that the comic book made more than the movie. How is that possible? Because the movie lost millions of dollars. Our comic books made thousands of dollars. <laughs> no, we, I mean, ultimately we posted a profit. This is the interesting thing about comic books because of the cost. The reason I'm telling you this is because of the cost of comics and the very controlled costs. You can do very well. So the analytics matter. You can, you know, sell a hundred thousand copies of X-Force Killshot again, using numbers of, on books that I'm aware of. That's a $4 book, $5 book. And, and so, you know, Two, two and a quarter is going to Marvel Comics. You do the math, it's a good investment. The, type, the, the costs were controlled. And just like with movies, once you make the comic, the comic gets reprinted, trade paperbacked, omnibused, hardcovered, digital on Comixology. So the economics of comics are fascinating. It's, 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 it's wonderful. 
And it's it's um it's why there's so many people who can really still be so happy and make a great living at comic books is because of the economics work, the analytics. So the analytics have have come to dominate every aspect of the the every business, entertainment, sports. Obviously, the, the Apple has analytics on how many iPhones you're buying, how many iPads, how many MacBooks. Okay, so numbers are everything. Numbers are fun if you choose to look at them, and they're fun. They're fun. This is, you know, this is how I look at it. In one of my recent episodes, I told you that the sequel to Star Wars was the sequel to the biggest movie of all time. At that time, that was true. It didn't stay that true because by the time Spielberg did E.T., E.T., Unseated, uh, uh, Star Wars, just in the same way that Titanic would eventually unseat E.T., uh, you know, that there's always somebody who's going to break that record every time. But... So you just revel in the numbers while you have them. And uh, and it's fun to look at sometimes, you know, how the numbers changed over time. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at some of the sales figures throughout history. We have a block that stretches from 1978 to 1984. So we have a six-year, seven-year window. 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84. It's actually seven calendar years, but really six years worth of information that we are going to take a look at starting with Marvel Comics sales and subsequent rankings uh, straight from Marvel Comics by the way this is straight from their own reporting internal correspondence from Marvel Comics provides us we are going to go to 1973 1973 to check out the sales data of the best-selling comics Marvel Comics was doing in 1973. May, may seem like a long time ago for you guys, but this is right around when I am starting to wander into comic books and I see some of these books on the spinner racks and on the shelves. And so this is extremely, um, you know, relevant as as far as, as, I, as I was concerned um, in looking at this because this is great. This is what's really great about this. Is, is, is you're going to see some correlation with all the things that I've been talking about. Because again, let's, 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 let's stop here. We're about 10 minutes into this episode. What is a Rob Observation? Rob Observation, this show exists to walk you through comics as I have seen them. I have, uh, you know, I, I really count as 74, 75 is the year that I consumed, began consuming comic books. And when you take that into consider and go 74 to 85, to 95 or 74 to 84 to 94 to 2004 to 2014 and now we're at 2021 on the precipice of 2022 that i mean that's i mean i'm 40 plus almost 50 years into being cons- this ridiculous consumption of comic books i've called you i've told you guys on this podcast that i believe it's a fever that we all are uh participating in a fever this fever of some sort so uh the tracking the fever and tracking my walk through comic books as a fan and how turned on they made me and how excited I, I was to interact with them to the point that I made it my vocation. I wanted to do this for a living and, and, and slowly learned how by meeting other people who learned this, who did this for a living and, and learning from them and, and hearing their stories and eventually being fortunate enough to break on through to the other side and be a trip contributor of which I've now been for 35 plus years. 
Let's get to these 1977-73 rankings because these rankings tell a story. They're going to they're give you a snapshot because you're going to be shocked at how much they shift and how fast they shift, okay? And it reflects everything that we've talked about over almost two years of these observations. So this is a really fun exercise. The top-ranked books by Marvel Comics. These are the top-ranked Marvel books. I don't have the DC rankings. I don't have the Archie Comics rankings, the Charlton... So the best-selling comics of 1973. Number one was Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man 273. Okay? Amazing Spider-Man 273 was the top-selling book. And, uh... (laughs) Oh, boy. I I am a complete uh, moron. Forgive me. It's not... Amazing Spider-Man 273. So there, you found me in my own gaff. I, I am self-correcting. I will not cut and paste and go back and ask my wonderful technician to sew this up. Sometimes you make mistakes. Here I am. I'm owning it. At least I got it out of the way. Spider-Man sold 273,000 copies on average over the course of 1973. There is no Amazing Spider-Man 273 during that period. That's where my brain was fritzing. Amazing Spider-Man averaged 273 units per title across the entire year of 1973. It was the best-selling book for Marvel, uh, Running Away. You're going to see, I mean, Running Away. Now, uh, here's the deal. According to this internal this the, the, the in, in, internal correspondence, you got to realize that um, from... The early 70s, Spider-Man had actually lost 100,000 in sales. So had Fantastic Four. So if this was a 1969-1970 report, we're looking at sales of almost 373,000 copies on average for Spider-Man. But at this time in 1973, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man is averaging 273,000 a month. That's a lot. There is no direct market. These are all newsstand comics, which means they can be returned. There's a returnable component to this because the direct market hasn't kicked in yet. And you're going to see when the direct market kicks in because we have those numbers. And we're going to get to those. Uh, 1973 Fantastic Four was averaging, uh, I mean, look, almost 50,000 less. Fantastic Four was averaging 225,000 units a month. Again, 100,000 below what would be considered their peak. So, uh, um, these, these are very strong numbers for Marvel, you know, at the top, but the, uh, even, even in, in the grand scheme of things, you're going to see that, that this will be looked at as one of the lower years in Marvel's history. Uh, so Marvel team up clocks in as Marvel's third best selling title with sales of 218,000 a month. Average of 218,000. Marvel Team-Up was actually my my preferred Spider-Man comic. I did not, and I've shared before, I did not buy The Amazing Spider-Man routinely. Um, two weeks ago, I had to go to storage, and I really wanted to get my nostalgia vibe on. And uh, the, the Spider-Man books that I grew up with are very spotty. I would miss wild, you know, issues in between. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have issue 170 five and issue 179 and then issue 182 183 then 187 then i have 192 
you know, and then, then right there, right near 200, I was really getting into it. So 197, 198, 199, 200, double-sized Keith Pollard. Okay. The reason I didn't buy Spider-Man religiously is because it was a book I, I would pick up when I didn't have my favorite titles. And my favorite titles were the team books, and that's Avengers and, and Fantastic Four and the Defenders and Champions and ultimately X-Men. Justice League from, from, from DC would even take precedence. So what I'd go, if I'd had some change in my pocket, and again, comics are 20, 25 cents at this point, you know, I would grow, okay, I'll, I'll get Spider-Man. Sometimes it was drawn by Gil Kane. Sometimes it was drawn by Jim Mooney. Sometimes it was drawn by Ross Andrews. Sometimes it was written by Roy Thomas. Sometimes Len Wein. Um, sometimes Marv Wolfman. But uh, I never miss Marvel team up. Marvel team up was a go-to, whether it was Marvel and the Vision I mean, Super Spider-Man and the Vision, Spider-Man and 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 uh, and Moon Dragon, Spider-Man and Scarlet Witch. There was an entire like Salem Witches uh, storyline that was going on when I was a kid. I, I just remember it was drawn by 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 Sal Buscema, but I loved the fact that Spider-Man was back in time and he was dealing with the Salem Witch trials and it was Scarlet Witch and 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 Moon Dragon was involved and I just I just got the biggest kick out of it. I, I really really um, just had. The, the best time with those issues, but I never missed Marvel team up where Spider-Man was a sometimes sort of kind of purchase. I wasn't dedicated, but when I got that box and I brought it home and I sat and my Spidey super stories were in there too, because, because of the electric company, which was a PBS show, which some of you may have seen, it was on after school for me, but they had a live action spider -Man. Marvel had licensed a guy in a Spider-Man suit to do skits. And there was easy reader. And on every comic book, every Spider-Man, Spidey super stories, it said this, Easy Reader says this comic book is easy to read. And it was really the kids' version. It was very much an all-ages, what we would call today an all-ages youth-purposed, uh, skewing comic book. Um, I pulled out the episode that they did and a takeoff in the in the fall of 1977 after Star Wars was such a big deal and they had a Star Wars license. There's a Spidey Super Stories where Spider-Man is striking the Luke Skywalker pose with a lightsaber above his head. Moon Dragon is in Princess Leia's uh, pose, and and then Doctor Doom is is the uh, Darth Vader of it all, and 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 he has a Death Star type planet that has giant jaws like a mouth that's going to open up and swallow other planets. It's, it's it's a great spoof. I looked over it just this last week. Very again plain artwork, not terribly detailed. Very very almost everything's color book, like a coloring book. And the, the fonts are bigger. Again, when it says Easy Reader, who was a character on uh, on on uh, the Electric Company, I forget which famous actor played Easy, Easy Reader, but when it says Easy Reader says this comic book is easy to read, they meant it. The font size was bigger too. But anyway, Marvel Team Up was a ne never, never miss for me. So it does not surprise me on any level that in 1973, that is the number three best-selling comic at 218,000 on average copies. But here we go. And this fits into everything I've told you guys. Three years into its existence, three years into its existence, launching in 1970, the number four top-selling comic book for Marvel Comics is Conan the Barbarian at 215,000 copies a month. So, top five, top four Marvel book. It, it is, it goes, a Spider-Man title, a Fantasy Four title, a Spider-Man title, Conan. Conan the Barbarian, three years in. And again, this is a book, remember, in the Conan podcast, I cover how Roy Thomas did not think they could even afford Conan, prepared to make an offer for another one, kind of bumped into the licensing guy who said, I can get you Conan, but Stan didn't want Conan. He didn't think sword and sorcery, the barbarian, that, that adapting these pulp stories, heroes, novels were worth it. So this is really uh, another example of, you know, Stan had to be convinced, just like with Star Wars. 
to do something he didn't want to do. And in this case, it worked. Conan, their top four selling book, 215,000 copies a month. What's number five? Well, it's an Avenger character. Which do you think it is? I'll tell you. It's Thor. Thor is their fifth best selling comic book, selling 195,000 units. I've heard some people say that Thor wasn't selling well around this time. You could not be more wrong. Thor was an awesome book. He was battling Egypt, Egyptian gods. He was battling like space gods, pyramids, um, battling Loki, battling giants, battling Ulick. This was an awesome time to be a Thor fan. I loved Thor during this time. Thor sold 195,000 copies. Roy Thomas was writing Thor. Len Wein was writing Thor. He was kind of a... They were kind of making him a space Conan. He was a little, little bit of cosmic Conan. Instead of a hammer, instead of a sword, he had the hammer. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's, it's, yeah, instead of a sword, he had a hammer. Good stuff. Right behind him is Iron Man at 189,000. That is their number six best-selling comic. The Incredible Hulk is their number seventh best-selling comic at 187,000 copies monthly. Number eight is The Avengers at 185,000 copies monthly. This is going to shock you what number nine is, especially when you see what number 10 is. Number nine is Sergeant Fury at 184,000 copies a month. Number 10 is Captain America at 175,000. So there's your top 10. Your top 10 best-selling comics for Marvel in 1973 is Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Marvel Team-Up, Conan, Thor. That's your top five. Your bottom five, starting at six, is Iron Man, seven, Incredible Hulk, eight, The Avengers, nine, Sergeant Fury, ten, Captain America. Eleven is Daredevil at 168,000. Defenders is 152,000 at number 13. Number, I mean, at number 12. Defenders at number 12 was doing 152,000 copies. Daredevil at number 11 was doing 168,000 copies. At number 13 is a reprint comic called Marvel Superheroes that would just reprint older uh, material from Hulk, from Cap, from Iron Man. Marvel Superheroes, a reprint book that would always give you two different adventures, likely mostly give you two different adventures, sold 140,000. A Western comic for Marvel, Rawhide Kid, was selling 138,000. That was outselling Ghost Rider, X-Men, and then all of these horror books. Really, the the last of their superhero books was The Defenders or the reprint Marvel Superheroes. Because once you get into The Rawhide Kid at 138000 and then you go to Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider kind of kicks in the horror line. Ghost Rider, 135,000 copies. Marvel Premiere, which was kind of a, a, a spotlight book where they'd introduce you to, you know, like Iron Fist got his spotlight showcase in Marvel Premiere. 3D Man got his showcase in Marvel Premiere, Man Wolf. Over time, this is what this existed was to give lesser characters a bigger spotlight, with the intention of maybe you liked it enough to get them to spin it off. X Men was in reprints in 1973. We are two years away from the dramatic turnaround for the X Men when Colossus and Storm and uh, Nightcrawler, all the Dave Cockrum magic comes on board, and Giant Size X Men literally rewrites the books for Marvel. We are a solid. Two years out from that, it is a dedicated reprint book, reprinting earlier adventures. It is selling 127,000 copies a month for Marvel, and it is number 18 in their rankings. Crazy Magazine, which was their answer to mad, it spoofed popular TV shows and popular movies. Crazy Magazine was 123,000 copies. The bottom, the next 20 to 30 is Astonishing Tales, Chamber of Chills, Creature on the Loose, Crypt of Shadow, Dead of Night, Dracula Lives, Fear, Frankenstein, okay? So so they really have a, a, a healthy amount of horror books. But all in all, there's there's 
62 Marvel comics in on a monthly average. So after you drop below the 30s, well, 30 is Luke Cage Hero for Hire selling 72,000 copies. They believed in Luke Cage. They wanted that to work. 72,000 copies per month was Luke Cage Hero for Hire. Then you've got your other Westerns. Jungle Action was number 32 at 72. Jungle Action was a feature for Black Panther. It's the kind of a, a lot of what happened in Jungle Action is what you saw in the, in the, uh, in the Black Panther film uh, with Chadwick Boseman. Um, it, it's the stuff that Billy Graham did and Don McGregor. Jungle Action, uh, Kid Colt, Outlaw. Um, then you got all the reprint titles. Marvel Double Feature, Marvel Feature, Marvel Spectacular, Marvel Spotlight, Marvel Triple Action, Marvel's Greatest Comics. I cite these all the time. Marvel Triple Action was reprinting the Avengers. Marvel's Greatest Comics was reprinting the Fantastic Four. All of those uh, kind of crowd in your 30s. They're all doing in the 73,000 range. Um, Monsters Unleashed, Monsters on the Prowl, or 42, or 43. You got reprints of Submariner, Strange Tales, um, Tales of the Zombie, Uncanny Tales, Vampire Tales, Vault of Evil, War is Hell. Interesting. Adam Warlock is selling 72,000 in 1973. And your number 62 book is Where Monsters Dwell. Again, Werewolf by Night is number 60. Where Monsters Dwell is um, number uh, 70. Uh, you know, by and large, the, uh, you know, the most, uh, Marvel was selling a lot of units, 62 books a month on the newsstand and, uh, you know, a whole lot of sales figures for these books. And you can, I mean, again, once you drop crazy magazine at 19, you know, you're doing, you're doing a hundred, under a hundred thousand. So, so that's what all these books, all these books from, uh, number 20 on down are under a hundred thousand, you know, they're really strong in the top 10, all those 270,000, 225,000, 218,000, 215,000, 195,000 for Thor. I mean, kissing 200,000 Marvel's in a strong position. That is a snapshot of what Marvel comics is doing in 1973. And, uh, you know, um, the, the, uh, Marvel team up again, huge book for them. They haven't launched Marvel two and one, which will then give them two fantastic four books. Just like Marvel team up is a Spider-Man spotlight. Marvel two and one is a fantastic four spotlight because thing, uh, you know, what, 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 what was, was the, uh, was the featured player in that. So where we're going to go next is we're going to jump ahead five years. These are our next numbers from Marvel's internal correspondence. And now we're going to look at 1978. Now in 1978, we're three years past giant size X-Men, but we're not to where X-Men is going to be yet. You're going to see where they land as we get into the 80s. <clears throat> this is um, really, again, you're going to be so uh, fascinated by where all these numbers go. Because uh, again, from, from here, we're going to go into the 80s and we're going to go as far as 1984. 1978, okay, uh, the the listing of these comics, you'll see reflects some things that are familiar with what I read to you from 1973 and some things that are going to reflect the, um, the, the emergence of Star Wars as a, as a powerhouse. Again, another license that Stan did not want to do had to be talked into. Roy Thomas gets the MVP 
for talking Stan into Conan and talking Stan talking Stan into Star Wars. Okay. Now, at this time what this what this you need to know around 1978 is Hulk is on TV. Spider-Man live action TV movies are being made with Nicholas Hammond, uh, the kid from Sound of Music, and you may know him as the guy who's the director uh, to to the Rick Dalton character that Leonardo DiCaprio is playing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Conan is still going very strong. You're going to see this. And you're also going to see, just as I said, Marvel 2-in-1 has now become a thing. Ha, 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 sorry. Man, crazy. Has now become special because of the appearance of the thing, uh, giving it a Fantastic Four component. The Fantastic Four were... Um, becoming, uh, uh, they were about to launch and, and having a Saturday morning cartoon. So let's just get right to, we've jumped ahead five years. It's not 1973 anymore. It's 1978. What's going on? Star Wars. Boom. Star Wars is Marvel's number one book. It has unseated Spider-Man. It is averaging 278,000 copies a month. 278,000 copies a month. Um, Amazing Spider-Man is number two. So the book, uh, and, and again, between all of the different reprints of the original six issues of Star Wars that uh, ad- adapted, uh, adapted the actual film, adapted the actual George Lucas film, between the original six issues and the two Treasury editions and then the one Treasury edition that compiled all of them because they split it up one through three in one Treasury edition, then four through six in another, they did over a million sales. That is chronicled by Jim Shooter in his recollection of how Star Wars saved Marvel and took them from the red into the black. And I've always said the money that Star Wars brought the company helped pay guys like Frank Miller, Walt Simonson, John John Byrne going into the immediate future and helped Marvel stay as competitive and on top. $278,000, $278,000 units a month is what Star Wars averaged in 1978. Number two, Spider-Man really staying very competitive with what it was doing in 1973 is at 258,000. But here's the deal. Let's look inside these numbers. In in, in 1976, they spun off Spider-Man, giving him Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, a secondary Spider-Man book that was under very stringent rules that it could not use the primary... Spider-Man characters, they wanted Amazing to continue to be the flagship. Peter Parker had to kind of generate lesser known or new villains. But, um, you know, Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus didn't have big, heavy storylines in Peter Parker. Those were still reserved for Amazing. You got the Tarantula and you got the Prowler and you got the Enforcers in Peter Parker, okay? You didn't get the big heavies because Amazing was still intended to be the, you know, the legacy title. Spectacular Spider-Man, the spinoff book is number three. So it's right behind there at 219,000 units, 219,000 units right behind Spider-Man at number two, it's 258,000 units. Okay. So, you know, you look at that and you're looking at almost 470, 480,000 units between those two, but we're not done yet because number four is Marvel team up. So they have a trifecta right here. Their top selling Marvel-owned characters. They're Marvel superheroes. Spider-Man clogs up two, three, and four. Marvel Team-Up is doing 218,000, 1,000 off of this fresh spinoff book that's only been around for two years at the time of this. Um, Marvel Team-Up is, you know, been going for five years at this point, longer, and it is pulling up the rear at 218,000. So, I mean, in all, for all intents and purposes, they're, they're, they're kissing 700,000 
in units um, on just they're they're over seven thousand they're they're at seven hundred thousand in units with these Spider-Man books. Two fifty-eight for Spider-Man, two hundred nineteen thousand, two hundred eighteen thousand for Marvel Team Up. Okay, so so two, three, and four, Marvel is flying. They have they have they have added another Spider-Man title and built that out to seven hundred thousand Spider-Man units every single month. I mean, so you go Spider-Man number one at two hundred seventy-eight thousand. Number two is Amazing Spider-Man at an average of 258,000. Number three is a Spectacular Spider-Man, Peter Parker, comma, the Spectacular Spider-Man at 219,000. And then you got Marvel Team Up at 218,000 copies. So they are in the big time Spider-Man business. And Spider-Man, again, is getting live action movies. He's got that 60s cartoon that is heavy repeats that I'm watching after school every single day. There's toys on the shelves. There's, there's um you know, uh, uh, there's web shooters you can buy with a string and it has a suction cup. I mean, it, they were maxing out Spider-Man. Guess what number five is? Number five is, again, just completely... I mean, this is now eight years of just super flex with Conan. Conan is number five, selling 215,000 units. This is the book. This the, Conan is a giant hit for Marvel. A massive, massive hit. Far before Star Wars was dropping all sorts of extra juice into the system, Conan was there, showing the way of what a licensed property could do for a publisher like Marvel Comics. Iron Man comes in at 189000 per month, average, as the number six comic. It has jumped over Thor. And Thor has taken quite a tumble. We're going to get to that. Marvel 2-in-1 is the number seventh book. Marvel 2-in-1 is... Five years old, four years old at this point. It is doing 177000 a month, tied with Fantastic Four at number eight. So they have now expanded this Fantastic Four. They've, they've dropped off a little. In 1973, Fantastic Four was doing 225 around. Well, now Fantastic Four is doing 177000 but Marvel 2-in-1 is doing 177000 And you are looking at 200, you know, they're now doing, you know, 320 thousand units I mean they're doing they're they're they're, they're doing 300 almost 350,000 units with Marvel 2 and 1 and Fantastic 4 so they doubled their Fantastic 4 exposure Marvel did in 1978 still no direct market these are comics you bought at the liquor store comics you bought at the market comics you bought at 7-Eleven there is no comic store that I am even remotely aware of in Southern California until 1981 I don't. I, I, my buddies who grew up in New York say comic stores were a thing right around this time in the late '70s, but the rest of the country was was slow on the upkeep. Whether it was Texas, Missouri, uh, Idaho, Indiana, California, you know, um, the direct market was not just. It wasn't. It wasn't a thing yet. Fantastic Four, Marvel Two and One, that's pretty great. That that is that is. I mean, they're doing plus three fifty thousand with those two books. Rounding out our top ten is top ten is Incredible Hulk at one hundred and seventy one thousand, and Avengers at an average of one hundred and sixty two thousand copies. Okay, so Fantastic Four and Avengers have really tightened. Okay, they're selling very, very similarly, and so the top ten is really still we're living in that Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko flagship world. Okay, the Avengers, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, Hulk, Spider-Man. You got Conan, number five, Star Wars, number one. So licensed books are kicking all sorts of ass for Marvel Comics. Now, 
Marvel Superheroes, that reprint book that I spoke of in 1973, is still going strong at 140,000. Marvel Tales is the reprint book of Spider-Man that's launched in the time between 73 and 78. Marvel Tales, a reprint book of older Spider-Man stories. All they had to do was reprint it. It's coming in at 138,000 a month to land them at the number 13 spot. Ghost Rider has surged up. Uh, things, macabre things, horror things, scary things, skeletons. They were a big deal. Ghost Rider is now Marvel's 14th best-selling book at 135,000 copies. It is outselling Thor. Thor comes in as their number 15 at 135,000. It's tied. Ghost Rider is surging. Ghost Rider is having its moment. That biker culture, the hippies, the hell's angels, the skeletons, the all of it. It's all working for Ghost Rider. So a huge turnaround from 1973 to now. What if, what if a title that was only launched two years prior is their number 16th book? And what if it's also a double-sized comic? It brings Marvel more money. It costs a little more to produce, but it's a lot more to buy. And uh, what if is their number 16th book? Marvel Premier has stayed the course. Number 17th, this, this spotlight book, 130000 a month. Master of Kung Fu, which was launched pro prior after 1973 enough to make a mark 128,000 on average for the number 18th book Spider-Woman which Stanley created told everyone to make he didn't create it he said we need a female Spider-Man because we don't want to be ripped off Spider-Woman would be getting her own cartoon the next year she's selling 126,000 units a month she is the 19th best book Crazy Magazine is selling 123. They're a knockoff of Mad Magazine like this. They said they would do the exact same thing. They would mock popular movies, Close Encounters, Star Wars, uh, Grease, and, and and shows like Happy Days, um, Six Million Dollar Man, Love Boat. The humor magazine. Daredevil is number is, is selling 123,000 units on average. It is a bi-monthly comic. It comes in at number 21. Captain America has really fallen. It's number 22, selling 116,000 and X-Men, the refurbished X-Men, is still not monthly. It is a bi-monthly comic. It is now, in 1978, firmly in the hands of John Byrne and Chris, and Chris Claremont and Terry Austin as they attempt to make their turnaround. This book's about to go monthly. X-Men is selling $115,000 units per month, okay? Sergeant Fury still hanging in there at 112000 Power Man at one hundred and seventy at one hundred and seven thousand as as the number twenty five book. Doctor Strange is selling one hundred and five thousand units a month. The Savage Sword of Conan, the black and white magazine that they've spun off, is doing one hundred thousand units. That magazine was three bucks, man. You know, two two, uh, two three bucks, black and white. Really great investment. Giant spinoff for them. We go down the run here. Uh, black Panther. You know, uh, Logan's Run, number 33, Ms. Marvel, number 34, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, Tarzan, Godzilla are all clumped in at 37, 38, 39. Um, they're not releasing sales figures on these. But 1978, things were shifting. Um, the Western genre was now firmly on its last legs, as you can see that Rawhide Kid at number 28 is selling 100,000 units. And none of the other... Western comics that we saw in, uh, with the exception of Kid Colt, which is Marvel's number 55, 55 books. Marvel's not doing 62 books anymore. They're doing 55 books. 
but they've really consolidated the top. I mean, again, three Spider-Man titles, two Fantastic Four titles. Um, if you wanted to call it the Avengers family, you got Iron Man and the Avengers and Cap and Thor are all clumped in there in the top 20. Okay, but um, they are doing, uh, you know, very well. But Daredevil is still a weaker title. X-Men is still a weaker title. They are not hot like they're going to be in our next list. They are not flexing. And Star Wars is a monster for them. I mean, put it this way. Every four months, they're doing a million copies of Star Wars. I mean, the plus million because it's 278. They're, you know, they're doing 1.2 million copies every quarter in Star Wars comics. And again, with the controlled costs, Marvel has found itself a cash cow. They're doing 700,000 plus units of Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, Conan just rock steady between Conan, the magazine, Savage Sword of Conan and Conan, the comic, they're doing 350, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, about 350, 330,000 between that number. So 1978, things are a changing. Okay. But you still got Spider-Man in the top echelon. Okay. So you guys ready? Here we go. We're going to jump to 1983 and 1983 is going to really kick you in the pants because this is, this is great. And some of you guys, ah, this is when I was buying. So, uh, we are also 1973. The one thing we're covering, this is my youth. You know, again, in 1973, I'm six, I'll be seven. Okay. I'm born in 1967. Okay. So, so 1978, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 and 11. These are the best years. This is the bronze age of comics. This is absolutely the bronze age, the bronze era of comics. We're, we are now in 1983 and I'm going to tell you, there's a new champion. There's a new heavyweight in town and his name, their name is the X-Men. We're just going to have fun with this and you're going to, you're going to really, uh, you're going to get a kick out of these rankings. Remember where Daredevil and X-Men were. So, so, um, in case you've forgotten, let me remind you, uh, the X-Men and Daredevil, just rankings alone, the refurbished X-Men coming out of the giant size X-Men, still not a monthly comic, a bi-monthly comic. This is, this is around, this is a great storyline for the X-Men. This is when they're going around the world. Magneto has battled them. They're at the Savage Land. They're in Japan, um, battling Moses Magnum. They're about to meet Alpha Flight. All this happens in that epic year of 1978, but they are not yet, um, a monthly comic book. Okay. And, uh, Daredevil is just, is just floundering. Daredevil is floundering. But the rankings on both, remember this. X-Men is the 23rd best-selling book for Marvel. Daredevil is number 21. Five years later, let's take a look at how all of this shook out. Because by now, you've got John Byrne and Chris Claremont and, and Terry Austin. They've completed their run. They left at the end of 1980. Took it all the way up to the clock ringing 81. John Byrne would, would end in December of 1980. 1981, Dave Cockrum would come back from having resurrected the X-Men alongside uh, Chris Claremont and being there for about 13 issues and he would exit. John Byrne has this epic, you know, three and a half, four year run that turns the book monthly. Daredevil discovers a man named Frank Miller. That's the big differences as we go and we look at Marvel's new rankings and a shifting of the guard. The number one comic book of 1983 is The Uncanny X-Men and it has an average sales of 300 and 40,000 copies. So Uncanny X-Men went from 100 to now 340,000. It's a monthly book. It's a juggernaut. 340,000 copies a month of X-Men are selling in 1983. Daredevil 
Remember, these books were like 23, Daredevil. So so in five years, X-Men has gone from 25 to the top-selling book. It is the number 23rd ranked book to the number one book. Daredevil was the number 21 ranked book to the number two book. Daredevil is in its post-Frank Miller swoon, and it is selling 260,000 copies a month, okay? They have both surged, adding hundreds of thousands of copies to their print, print, print runs. John Byrne exited X-Men and took over the Fantastic Four. And what that meant for Marvel is that their number three best-selling book was Fantastic Four. John Byrne at the helm took all that X-Men juice and turned it into a fantastic flex. And the Fantastic Four became the number three book at Marvel doing 257,000 copies per month. Where's Spider-Man? It's number four. Amazing Spider-Man is doing 241,000 copies a month. 241,000 copies a month, a month, which is, uh, is, is only about, you know, 17,000 from where it was at five years ago. It has an incredible holding, um, holding power because that, 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 that in, in five years time, it's, it's not the number two book anymore. It's the number four book, but it's only lost 17,000 copies. Amazing Spider-Man 241,000 on average in 1983. Here's where things get super flexy. John Byrne was not only holding down the number three book, but he was writing, penciling, and inking Alpha Flight, which is Marvel's number five best-selling book at 240,000 copies a month. It is right there competing with Spider-Man. You know, maybe there were months... I know when Alpha Flight launched, it was their number one book. Alpha Flight launched at number one. It settled in at number five for 83, selling 240,000 units per month. Alpha Flight... Is number five. So you got X-Men, Daredevil, Fantastic Four, Amazing Spider-Man, and Alpha Flight are your top five Marvel comics for the the year of 1983. Again, this is Marvel internal correspondence that have that has these numbers printed out. The Avengers comes in number six. They have surged upward. They have caught a swell because of their super strong storylines through the 70s. The, 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 the 1978, 79, 80, 81 is like gold rush for the Avengers. They are coasting on that. They are selling 230,000 copies on average per month. They are the number six book. New Mutants is the first spinoff of the X-Men. It is Chris Claremont, Bob McCloud, Chris Claremont, Salby Sema, depending on the month in that first year. They are selling 218,000 copies. They are the number seven book for Marvel. Conan, it is five years later. Conan has been doing this for 13 years now, launched in 1970 on a fluke, really, by Marvel. They, 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 they like you know, went to a fishing hole and, and, and tested it out to see if there were going to be any bites and if they could catch fish. And this thing created just, I mean, the net was swole with fish. I mean, they, they, they caught just big old, big old tuna. Number eight, selling 206,000 copies a month. Conan in 1983 is still a giant factor. In fact, Red Sonja is the spinoff for Conan is now the number nine book for Marvel, selling 200,000 a month. So in your number 10 book, rounding out your top 10 is The Incredible Hulk at 190,000 units per month. So your top five is X-Men, Daredevil, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Alpha Flight, brand new, completely created from the imagination of John Byrne, okay? He introduced Alpha Flight over time, over multiple appearances during his run in the X-Men. They finally launched them in their own book, and it is a top five 
best-selling Marvel comic. Your bottom six, your bottom five in the top ten. The Avengers is six. New Mutants is seven. Conan is eight. Red Sonia is ten. Incredible Hulk. I mean, I mean Red Sonia is nine. Incredible Hulk is ten. Eleven is Iron Man at one hundred eighty-two thousand. And here's the deal: Star Wars. It's nineteen eighty-three. Return of the Jedi's come and gone. The Star Wars era, those six years of Star Wars, then Empire, then Return of the Jedi, those six years of incredible anticipation that drove so much of pop culture has finally begun to slow down. But still, super impressive. The number 12 book at 180000 a month. Off almost 100000 but still tremendous yield for Marvel. The number 12 book for Marvel is Star Wars, 180,000 units a month. Marvel Team-Up is number 13. So Marvel Team-Up has really fallen far away from Spider-Man, tumbled Remember, they were bunched up two, three, and four in 1978. Two, three, and four. And co- collectively, they were selling 700,000 units of Spider Man. Spider Man is on 177,000. And Spectacular Spider Man is right below it at 175,000. They're still doing 600,000 units, okay? They're, 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 they're kissing, they're kissing 600,000 units, but they're off, you know, they've lost 100,000 units in interest in Spider-Man overall as new sheriffs have come to town in the X-Men and Daredevil and Alpha Flight and the New Mutants and Red Sonia. ROM, a licensed comic, which surged from 1979 to like 1972. I mean, 1979 to 1982. ROM is a top 15 book selling 162,000 copies from Marvel. ROM is outselling G.I. Joe. Did you know this? Know this. ROM is a more popular book for Marvel in 1983 than G.I. Joe is, which is fresh. I mean, G.I. Joe's about a year old. G.I. Joe's is doing 160,000 a month, 2,000 off ROMs, 162,000, but still a top 20, a 16. It's the number 16 best-selling book for Marvel. ROM is the number 15. Spectacular Spider-Man is 14. Marvel Team-Up is 13. Star Wars is 12. And Iron Man is 11. What If is coming in at 156,000 at number 17. Still a strong book for them. Thor has tumbled all the way down to 18. I've talked about how when Walt Simonson came on that book, this book was struggling. You're going to see the surge. Thor is selling 147,000 copies and uh, coming in at number 18. King Conan. King Conan. They spun off Conan in like 1980. Did the older adventures of Conan. He's doing 141,000. So Conan is still doing 206. They've now got a Red Sonia, a sister book, doing 197. Let's just call it 200. That's 406. Then throw in King Conan. They're doing 540,000 Conan books. Conan is a money maker for Marvel Comics. Captain America is number 20 at 140,000. Dazzler is number 21 at 134. Remember what I said about Conan giving them 500,000 units? We'll add in Savage Sword of Conan gives them 130,000 more. Conan is a monster monster family of books from Marvel Comics. Beyond solid. Conan, 206,000. Red Sonja, 200. There's 406. You jump down to King Conan. You add, it's 140. You got 500 and almost 50, 546. Then you add the 130. Oh my gosh. I mean, at, at 546, I mean, you, you're almost at 700,000 in, in Conan numbers. Conan is tremendously successful for Marvel Comics. And remember, that magazine is black and white. Defenders has tumbled down to 25. It does 130,000 a month. Power Man is solid at 116,000. Master of Kung Fu is solid at 116,000. Marvel Fanfare, a new book, kind of a spotlight book, is at 100 and 
15,000. Doctor Strange, 115,000. They took Marvel 2 and 1 and they made it thing, a solo thing title. It's doing 114,000. Ghost Rider has tumbled. Remember how high it was in 1978? It's now in the 30s. Uh, number 31 selling 113,000 copies. Micronauts is on its last leg. Once a very strong selling book is selling 80,000 copies a month for Marvel. So there is a, in a snapshot what was going on for Marvel in 1983. Star Wars had shown signs of wear. It it was over its giant stretch of success. Um, and, uh, you know, and now here we are in in the new X-Men Daredevil-dominated world. Spider-Man's still a powerhouse. Conan is ridiculous. Um, but let's jump from 1983 to kind of finish off this snapshot of in our time capsule from the, from the desk of Carol Kalish. This is 1984, a snapshot of what was going on in April of 1984. The number one comic for Marvel Comics. The number one comic for Marvel is Secret Wars at 320,000 copies. 320,000 copies is what Secret Wars is selling. That is Secret Wars, uh, the, the, the kind of the premier spinoff book that reestablished Marvel's dominance um, in 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 regards to uh, in regards to like creating the flex of what you're going to see in crossovers every year following from 1984 on because of the success of Secret Wars. They cobbled together this story. It was a toy tie-in. I've got an entire podcast dedicated to Secret Wars. Secret Wars was selling 316,000 copies a month, and it was up from the month before in March. Secret Wars was doing 262,000. It has added over 40,000 units from issue three to four because of the swell. X-Men, now this is the age of the direct market. Comic book stores are now becoming the dominant distribution source as the as the 7-Eleven's diet was there. I went into 7-Eleven, the spinner racks were gone. Now they were on shelves and there wasn't 50 comics to choose from anymore. It was a smattering. It was 20 comics, maybe maybe a dozen if you were lucky, on the magazine shelves, interspersed. No longer the spinner racks were gone. They were replaced with something else because space is valuable to these markets. They were gone out of the liquor stores. They were gone out of the drug stores. They were gone out of the grocery stores because they were headed to the comic book stores. There's no returns here. This is a better number for Marvel because it's not 300,000 Spider-Man units that could be returned. 30% of that Run could be returned. The cover torn off, mailed back, credit towards the next, credit towards the next. So now they're man managing the balances in the newsstand days. Now the direct market, if you have a number that says 316,000 Secret Wars were sold, that is 316,000 copies paid for. X-Men is selling 225,000 copies up from the month before, which it was doing 208,000. The direct market is surging. New Mutants 18 is Marvel's number three best-selling comic. It has surged forward. It is selling 184,000 copies. Alpha Flight is selling 160,000 copies. Spider-Man is your number five book still at 135,000 copies. Fantastic Four has dropped as Secret Wars. If we take Secret Wars out of there, which is a year-long event, but nonetheless, you're still kind of... Fantastic Four is in the top five instead of being in the top six. You know, Spider-Man's five and Spider-Man's four instead of being five. But anyway, Spider-Man uh, number 255 
was selling 135,000 copies. Fantastic Four 260, number 269 by John Byrne is selling 122,000 copies. Thor has surged on the back of Walt Simonson to the number seven best-selling comic book. Thor number 346, almost a year into Walt Simonson's run, has surged from the number 30-selling comic to the number seven best-selling comic, selling 118,000 direct market copies, paid for, no returns. Power Pack, number one, launches at 95,000 copies. Avengers has slipped, Avengers 246. The Avengers, the 80s were not kind to them post I said that 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 lightning 78, 79, 80, 81 storylines, it started that the, the, the Avengers didn't attract the talent it used to. They were going to the X-Men titles and uh, annuals, specials, miniseries, all the stuff that's coming. And so dedicated Avengers talent wasn't there anymore. Avengers is selling 92,000 copies now, okay? And uh, the thing is, on the top... One, two, three, four, five, six. The top six Marvel books have all increased month to month, increased drastically. Secret Wars from four to three, from from issue three to four has added forty thousand. I mean, almost twenty thousand added on X Men. It's it's more like eighteen thousand. Um, but uh, New Mutants has added. Good God, New Mutants has added. There's something going on with New Mutants. It added sixty. 60,000 copies. I think that's when Bill Sinkevich comes on. There was a surge of increase. Alpha Flight, uh, kind of even. Spider-Man went up. Spider-Man went up 35,000 copies from March to April. From issue 254 to issue 255. I don't have right here if that's a Secret Wars tie-in. Maybe that's the new costume. You guys are going, Liefeld, 255. We know what that is. Fantastic Four went up 5,000. Uh, you know, but still, these are really strong. Power Pack launching at 95, a comic nobody heard of before in the direct market. Avengers, again, falling. Avengers lost 5,000 from March to April. Daredevil, the Frank Miller days are over. Daredevil is the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14th comic for Marvel. It fell from number two in 1983 to in one year, now absent Frank Miller completely. His influence, his layouts, his plots, his stories. It is selling 79,000 copies. Okay. Marvel Team Up has dropped to 72,000 copies. Okay. But the ranks are the same. In, in, in March, Secret Wars was number one. In April, Secret Wars is number one. In March, Secret uh, X-Men was number two. In, in April, X-Men is number two. In March, New Mutants was number five. In April, it's number three. Alpha Flight was the number three book in March, and it's the number four book supplanted by the surge in New Mutants. It, it dropped one. Spider-Man went from seven to five. Fantastic Four stayed, st- stayed six. It's It dropped 5,000 copies, but it didn't move. Uh, Thor kind of went from five to seven. So uh, Avengers went from the eighth best-selling book for Marvel in March to the ninth. Very consistent. Defenders is really low, selling 62,000. What If has dropped to 62,000. G.I. Joe is doing 53,000. Captain America struggling. Three issues out from its big 300th issue is selling 49,000 copies. Captain America has always been a book that is, you know, tough to sell. Um, There's your snapshot, guys. There's your sales. The direct market had taken over. 
And these are guaranteed sales. They're better in terms of from Marvel than what you were getting in the 70s newsstand era. Again, just so you know, if you wanted to re returnability means if you got some extra copies of Spider-Man around and they've been there for three months and then it gets to the month, the fourth month where you can return them, you don't even have to return the comic. You just, you just per the understanding between the distributor who's carrying these comics for Marvel and the retailer being the the 7-Eleven, the, the, the grocery store, the drugstore, they had to tear the comic, the cover off, which meant it was unsellable, but it was less freight to ship. Throw back four covers of Spider-Man and they'll credit you for four books going forward, which means Marvel got paid for four less books and take that nationwide. That's thousands of lost sales in newsstand, but that's the model. That's how they rolled. Now in the direct market, what I am telling you is Secret Wars sells 316,000 copies. That's 316,000 copies paid for, period. There is no tearing off the cover. There is no returnability. That's where the direct market really gave a greater health to our industry. But that is four years of sales where we saw Spider-Man super consistent, the most consistent book Marvel had. Once X-Men found its footing, it never looked back. It was only losing out to titles like Secret Wars, which ironically featured the X-Men. So the only thing that could beat the X-Men was the X-Men. Believe it. Secret Wars featured the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the X-Men, and Spider-Man. It was the ultimate team-up book to people my age at that time. In case you are wondering, in 1985, I was 17. In 1984, I was 16. Okay? This was... These comics were made for me. This was the premier time of my collecting, my excitement. And I was only just a couple of years away from joining the comic business, being hired at 18 years old. So I hope you took notes. I hope you enjoyed the sales figures that I shared with you today. Uh, again, I, I, I tried to pull up as, as, as tremendous a treasure trove of information as I could, but really to give you some comic book analytics to study these numbers, to enjoy these numbers as much as you possibly could. And, and, and realize that some things go up, some things go down. To me, the data, the analytics of that list showed me what a badass, huge, monster property Conan was for Marvel over 13 years. At one point, moving over 700,000 units for that, that property. Conan, Red Sonia, Savage Sword, King Conan. They had a monster. The X-Men surging from reprint, latent reprint book in the low 20s, 30s to boom, top book, number one book, best-selling book. New Mutant spins off, just sits right in there in the top five until they start spinning it off further in the late 80s and then X-Factor knocks it down and then Wolverine knocks it down. And I know a lot about the New Mutants because I lived it. But those first few years being the only spinoff of the X-Men was hugely beneficial. There was a great energy, a great interest in that world those characters spinning it out and uh, so i hope you guys enjoyed that 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 anal you know analyzing the numbers because they tell a story again spider-man huge consistency fantastic four huge consistency conan underheralded as a monster star wars rode that incredible wave it did um just 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 fantastic um information that i think we were able to digest today i hope you guys really truly um, enjoyed it as much, as much as, as I did, you know, did, did sharing it with you guys. Um, th this is such a fun show. I love numbers. I love analytics. We Billy beaned the crap out of the comics industry in the seventies and the eighties. But, but really that's the bronze age. The bronze age is over in two years. Dark Knight and Watchmen in 1986 signaled the end of the bronze age. So you just got a great snapshot of the bronze age with some sales straight off Marvel comics desk. 
straight off the desk of Marvel Comics, what they call circulation numbers, okay? They're circulation numbers. At the end of every episode, I read your reviews. We need them. Share them, please. Apple, go on. Give us a high rating. Give us five stars. Tell us how much you love the show. It is so important to the... um, to, to, to the profile of this platform. I'm so proud that you guys have shown up in the way that you have and you have shown up. We have such a great profile for this show. Let's keep it up. I am encouraging you. Tell your friends. Listen to the show. Word of mouth. Spread it. I just, um, I'm getting a lot of your guys' year-end, uh, end-of-the-year list and you, I'm honored that you guys have chosen me as your top podcast. I, 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 I was reading these the last 48 hours and just, you guys would send them to me and share them with me and I was just so overjoyed again because this is a podcast made and soaked knee deep in love for you guys and the medium. Today's uh, really fun uh, review is from Mark J. Russell. And he left a review that I, I, I read your reviews at the end of the show. So if you leave me a review, um, I read it live at the end of every episode. This is X-Force Killshot. Great podcast, great episode, great comic book. Uh, a couple weeks back, prior to the 30th anniversary of X-Force being published, I did a podcast telling you how I put it all together from nuts, nuts, you know, soup to nuts, as my wife would say, or my mom would say, soup to nuts, because they both say that. Um, just showing you how the entire stew was created. And uh, and and my good friend here, Mark J. Russell, writes, uh, X-Force Killshot, great podcast, great episode, great comic book. He gives it five stars. Rob, wow, X-Force Killshot was well worth the 30-year wait. I love your recent episode that you shared the behind-the-scenes creative process of putting together this non-stop thrill ride of a follow-up to your original run on the New Mutants and X-Force. These issues from 30 years ago remain personal favorites of mine, and this addition to that storyline recaptured the magic of that incredible run. I was so excited for X-Force Killshot after listening to your podcast that I got to my comic store early this morning, managed to get all six of the connecting variant covers, which all look fantastic on their own, but even more outstanding as a set. Please do not hesitate to use this podcast to spotlight your current projects. I love hearing about the inspiration and the detailed work that goes into everything that you do. If you hadn't discussed Snake Eyes, Dead Game, and The Shield on your observation show, I might have missed out on them and those comics rocked. The listeners of this podcast love your work as much as we love your stories that cover the most historic moments in comics. We also want to know what current and future comics of yours that we can look forward to. I give this podcast my highest possible recommendation for its stories of legendary moments in the comics industry. Excellent reading recommendations and inside stories from a comic book creator who was there to witness and contribute to so many great moments in comic book history. Rob, thank you again for the great job on X-Force Killshot. You continue to prove that when it comes to action-fueled comics that are filled with intensity and intrigue, you wear the crown. Wow, Mark J. Russell, thank you. I am humbled. Thank you, sir. Thank you for that generous, generous review. Thank you for sharing it. It was a pleasure to receive it and to share it and to read it here on on air. I I am humbled, sir. Thank you so much. You guys, you read a you leave a review for me, I will read it. Um that's the deal. I I love so much sharing the show with you guys. You can reach me. I am all over social media. Thank you for listening. I love talking to you guys, working working out ideas, concepts, um listening to your your um back and forth uh, I am on Twitter. I am at Robert Liefeld on Twitter. Blue check. That's really me. Full name, Robert Liefeld. I am on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. Blue check. That is also me. 
I'm all over Facebook. <laughs> I'm in a million groups. Charlie's Angels, Six Million Dollar Man, Anything 70s. I'm there. A bunch of comic book groups too. I'm in the Neil Adams group. I'm in the John Romita Jr. group. I'm in the Jack Kirby group. I'm all over the groups. Look for me in the groups. Look for me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm there. I love hanging with you guys, talking with you guys. Thank you for hanging with me today and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the numbers. I mean, that is a great uh, stretch from 1973 to 1984. 11 years, 11 years worth of numbers we analyzed today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. This is the time of the show where you tell me you're going to take care of yourself. I believe it. You need to take care of yourself, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health. Take care of yourself. Take a minute, take a pause. Read a comic, have a good time, watch a show. Um, Just take care of yourselves, you guys. Um, Life's tough enough. Take a moment for you and enjoy it. And and, uh, I I just wish you all the best. You are going to stay safe. And we are going to talk again real soon. (laughs) 